read Wake the Hollow by Gabby Triana. Um, fun fact, I used to live in Triana when I studied right on Sevilla. Nobody cares. Okay, um, so this book, we're really special because it hasn't even been published yet, right? No, I don't think so. I think it's being published shortly. Yeah, I don't think it's actually come out yet, but I didn't check the date, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, we, <laughs> it might be out by the time they hear this. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. Again, I don't know. But I think it does come out September, October time. Um, but we read an arc. Um, it's this, our first arc! Yeah, it's exciting. So this is our first arc, and we got this um, in exchange for doing a review with YA Reads as part of their blog tour. So we got the book for free. We also get all of our books for free. They all come to the library. So so it's not like this is new, but this, <laughs> getting books for this free. This is a book that we were already looking at a little bit, so, right? No. I mean, was it? I don't know. <laughs> I only saw it because it was through YA Reads. Oh. I don't know where you would have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Paige already won in this, and then this opportunity came back. Um, I was trying to add was... to our credibility, Paige. <laughs> we have gotten offers for books that we haven't accepted, mostly because... Because they were trash. <laughs> they didn't look at all appealing. This looked interesting. We wanted to read it later, though, because Halloween. Halloween, but... Yeah. Whatever, it's kind of cold outside today, so we'll pretend. It is. It's cold and gray and rainy, which is a rare thing here. Um, so you don't live in San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we wanted to read it for Halloween. It's very atmospheric. So Wake the Hollow is about Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Surprise. Um, which you probably know from the Washington Irving short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's a headless horseman, the pumpkin, all that stuff. Which is, like, a good, very good, like, Halloween story. Yeah, it's very, like, American Halloween. Uh-huh, for sure. Yeah. Quintessential, some might say. Yeah, I have been to Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I went there for fall break when I was in college because I went to school in Massachusetts. Um, and because they have Halloween stuff. So, like, they reference a lot of actual Sleepy Hollow, Terrytown stuff in the book. Um, because it's all part of, like, the historic Hudson Valley. And there's they do have, like, all these old... Houses there, um, and during October they have the blaze, which they reference in the book, which is this giant pumpkin carving thing. Like, you go at night. It's like going to, like, a light display at Christmas, only it's, like, thousands of pumpkins. Cool. Maybe we'll put a picture from it up on our Instagram. Yeah. If I can find one. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, That'd be great. Yeah. So that's how we read this. Um, let's talk about the book. All right. <laughs> So this book is about Michaela, which is also a diverse book. Um, Michaela is half Cuban. Her mother is Cuban. Her dad's not, I'm assuming, because Michaela talks about how blonde she is. So we're assuming he is um, some variety of white. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> um, well, she has like a fluke gene. Seems unlikely. I don't think that's how that works. I don't Me actually either. know a lot about genetics, but I have seen a Punnett Square before. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Michaela, so she is originally from Sleepy Hollow. That's where her family has been. They have a lot of ties to the community. Um, even though her mother is a Cuban immigrant, which we're going to talk about that later because that all becomes tied to She's a second generation. Plot. Yeah. Yes. Um, she was born in the United States, but her parents were not. You're talking about Michaela's mom, right? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Um, and her mother is, like, this local historian, works for Historic Hudson Valley stuff. She's this um, obsessed with Washington Irving, is the best word. And this obsession is really what 
makes her parents split up. Essentially, her father so feels that her mother um, is like constantly only cares about um, this like weird yeah. historical research that she's doing. Also making creepy dolls. Also making creepy dolls. And Michaela mentions it too. She's like, my mother was never paying attention to me. Like she was always. She was always gone, like, researching her journal, like, running around doing whatever. Or she was in the basement, creepily at the sewing machine, just, like, making the ugliest dolls ever. Yeah. Um, if you're waiting for that to get explained. It does. It kind of does, but, like, I don't know why you would have made a creepy doll. I don't know, like, I don't know why that was the the solution, you know? Yeah. Seems so, like random. anyway, and then her dad gets a business opportunity in Miami. Right. So a little bit unclear what he's doing. And clear as in maybe I don't remember or maybe it's not explained. I don't know. He has a lot of business in South America and he's yeah. clearly really wealthy. I just, I do think they say at one time, like, he sold, or he, I don't know, whatever. Whatever, he does. Might have to do with medical. So, you don't care. So, she and her father, so, Michaela and her father move to Miami when she's 12. Um, and they kind of leave her mother behind. And so, how Michaela kind of sees this happening is at one point, Michaela's just sat down at the table and she has to pick which parent she's going to live with. Yeah, at twelve. Um, that works. Your parents forced you to choose. And you also are not allowed to see the other one at all. Um, well, by her choice, she doesn't want to go back. You know. Yeah, I guess so. She doesn't want to go back. Um, she's still really angry. I think at I her would mom. make my twelve-year-old go back and see the other parent. I would be like, I don't care if you don't want to. Like, There's clearly some bad blood here between <laughs> mom and dad. I'd be like, you're gonna go spend two weeks with your mother. Um, I guess in my case, it'd probably be their father. <laughs> I was pretending to be Michaela's dad, so that's what was happening. Um, <laughs> um, so, ne- like, the point is neither of Michaela's parents are great. <laughs> they both seem like they have some serious hangouts. And Michaela also doesn't really love the town because the town was never a big fan of her, and particularly her mother. Her mother is, like, really invested in this history, but also is kind of an outsider, but mm-hmm. she's always claimed that she's a descendant of... Irving. Uh-huh. A direct descendant, yeah. And they're like, you're freaking Cuban. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Um, and the town is kind of just, like, they very much treat her as an outsider. Um, she's not kind of connected to the lineage of this town, as there's two main families that are direct descendants from Irving's larger extended family. Irving um, didn't have any children, so he didn't have any direct descendants, so they're, mm-hmm. like, great <laughs> Not only and are you crazy, because, like, you're clearly Cuban. Right. Also, like, he didn't have any kids anyway. Right. Um, and so, and her mother has been hawking the Siri. Her mother has clearly, like, gotten on the bad side of, well, like, all the people. There's, everybody else in the town is obsessed with Irving, with the history. Right. Um, these other people that are part, descendants of the extended family, also all, like, work for Historic Hudson or whatever. Um, so there's all this, she's caused a lot of friction with these kind of crazy claims, it seems. Um, and that's also passed on to her daughter. Um. So Michaela's been living in Miami for several years. Because the town's horrible, her mom's horrible. Everything sucks. Yep. Um, she likes it in Miami. And her dad is mostly gone on business in South America all the time. Yeah, anyway. and she just gets to buy fancy shoes. Yeah. Basically. She has Manolos in the beginning, so. <laughs> um, and so then she, she's 16, 17? No, she's 17. She's 18. She's 18. She's 18. It's six years later, so. that's what's going to make. Something else happens in the book. Not a little. Okay. <laughs> um, supposedly. So she's 18. She's about to start her senior year of high school. Um, and she ends up going back to Sleepy Hollow because she finds out her mother. Well, first she gets a weird note from her mother, like, please come, it's urgent. Her mother it, has not contacted her for years. 
Yeah, for about four years. The first couple years, they, like, talked to the phone and, like, yeah. sent letters and stuff. But after that, like, literally nothing. And this yeah. note was sent to her best friend's house. Right. Um, and which so, is strange. Right. And so that's part of why Michaela is, like, really done with her mom. Is that, like, not only, like, were you a bad mother when I was there, but, like, for years now, you haven't even tried to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, maybe dad's in South America all the time, but, like, yeah. <laughs> at least I sometimes talk to him. Yeah. Um... And so she gets this note, and then it comes out that her mother has actually died. She fell in the bathtub, which usually only kills you if you're elderly. I guess if you hit your head right on the edge, like, could do it. Yeah. And that's supposedly what happens. She has, like, blunt force trauma to the head. Um, yeah. Which later we find out, like, how she actually didn't, she was murdered. Shocker. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, like, did they murder her while she was just, like, in the bathroom naked? Or did they then undress, like... Because <laughs> I assume she wasn't fully clothed that. when she slipped and fell in the bath. I mean, I maybe she's in the bathroom. Assume, yeah. I assume they must. I assume if this is their plan, they wouldn't have tried. They wouldn't have like given themselves away by like trying to stage it. Because I think you you run into a lot more room to yeah. implicate yourself. So I assume they are just creepily hanging out, waiting until they have the opportunity to make this look real. So weird. Anyway. Can't think about that. That was a nice, creepy anyway. um, discussion. Um, <laughs> so she goes back to this town, um, and the, she, the first person she's greeted by is her childhood best friend named Abraham, who goes by Bram. Um, mm-hmm. And she winds up staying with him on the first night because her assistant, well, not her assistant, her father's assistant, who really seems like just her nanny, her, like, not really her nanny because she does nothing to take care of her, but, like, her keeper. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she's, like, shows up and supposed to, like, oh, get the townhouse for them and things like that, and <laughs> showing up until the next She's day. in, like, Brooklyn visiting her sister or something. Whatever. Um, she's really not a great assistant. Yeah. And so, so Michaela has gone back, and so I think her whole thing, she, I guess she wants to sort of, like, sort out, like, what the hell was this note about? Like, because, I mean, it's a little creepy if you get a note saying, please come and search it, and then um, that person ends up dead. You would probably be concerned. I'd be yeah. concerned. I've read enough books and seen enough movies that I'd be concerned. Yeah. Um, and so she sort of wants to sort out what the hell's happening, and then also um, she has to, you know, do something with her mom's stuff or whatever. Yeah, she has to go. And her dad is supposed to meet her there later. Dad's an absentee father. Dad's busy, though, so he'll show up when he shows For, up. For, like, 150 pages of this book. Or more, Michaela's just frantically calling her father and never reaching him. And she leaves, like, 17 voicemails being like, please call, this is really important. Which, if you get, like, a million voicemails from your child who's, like, freaking out, do you just continue to ignore him because you don't want to deal with him or what? <laughs> and at one point, she, he does call her back, but it's only when he, she leaves a nice one being like, hey, dad, everything's actually fine, I um, just wanted to call you and say hi, and then he calls her back. And I was like, literally, because at some point, like, the water gets, sh- and the electricity gets shut off in the townhouse, mm-hmm. and her, and the assistant, like, runs off, so she's now staying here totally by herself. Um, things are going, like, horribly awry, and, like, her, her dad won't answer the phone. Like, never mind all of the, like, other stuff that's happening, mm-hmm. that she's like, wait, dad, what the hell? Um, like, the physical things that her dad was supposed to take care of are, like, falling through, and she's, like, can't get a hold of him, so... Yeah. Yeah. So she's back in town. She's wrapping up all the stuff with her mother, and let's. We're going to try and gloss over some of this so we don't get lost. Oh, she's also having crazy dreams. Oh, yeah. We didn't mention that, but Michaela is basically psychic. 
Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. That was actually a big She can talk with, like, spirits, and also she has dreams in which spirits, like, communicate with her, so. Yeah, she's, like, seeing, she's seeing things. She sees this certain ghost of a woman. She hears voices. Um, yeah. Which is enough. And they to tend to get, like, like it was a, it happened a little bit in Miami, but they get really bad when she's in. So yeah, and this is another part of the reason why she doesn't want to be there. She's like, this town will make me crazy. Like, I have to get out of here yeah. immediately. Which seems also, like, valid. Seems legit. Yeah, probably just stay in Miami. But she wants to be a good daughter and figure out what happened to her mom. Yeah, I mean, she's also not feeling guilty, like, even though her mother was apparently a bad mother. Like, now she's dead. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of complicated feelings. And she hasn't seen her in six years, so I'm sure that doesn't feel great. Yeah. No, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> Um, um, yeah. And so, basically, she's there, she's hanging up all these loose ends. Um, supposedly, she's enrolled in high school, but... She goes, like, literally one day. Like, real... Okay, not literally one day, but close to. Virtually maybe. one day. Maybe only... Maybe two. <laughs> she's not there very much. That's a very thin pretext in which she's in high school, but, um... Well, she goes for, like, a couple days. I thought it was literally one, but I guess maybe it's more than that. Maybe yeah. it's, like, a week. Um, and then she's like, never mind, this is too hard because my mom just died and this is, like, really distressing. And the school's like, that's really fine. You can take, like, a month off to homeschool. <laughs> yeah. We'll just send you the work. That's not homeschooling. It's just making up the work while you're out, but. And you have to have, like, a really good reason. I think for homeschooling, I... someone actually has to be there to homeschool. Just... Or, like, if, yeah, you have to Same either do, you know, I mean, she's 18, so I guess she doesn't have to be in school. She could just drop out for a semester. I, I don't guess, know. but if you're enrolled, you're still in trouble if you don't go. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the point is, whatever. She's kind of in school, but she's kind of just doing her really. own thing. And so she starts investigating what happened to her mother. So she goes to the... We're going to do this lightning fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She goes to the house. It's locked. She tries to get the key. No one will help her. She goes to the police station. There's a no creepy. There's a creepy her. man at the house. There's this creepy man in a blue eclipse that's been kind of following her around. Yeah, he was there when she got in on the train station by herself, and that's when she starts, like... She starts hearing, like, horse footsteps, like, um, what am I trying to say? Hoof beats. There we go. Horse footsteps. <laughs> also Close. horse footsteps. Close. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, immediately when she gets in, she starts hearing creepy noises. And again, this whole town is about the legend of, like, the headless horsemen or whatever. That's very entwined with it. And... Um, she thinks people are just trying to scare her. She tries to, like, rationalize it, as one would. Um, but there's this blue eclipse, like, following her own town. Um, she keeps, like, seeing this random guy. Um, she can't get into her mother's house. She can't get the key from anyone. There's all this stuff in storage, but no one will tell her. She keeps calling the police station to try and get contact with anyone. The officer assigned to her mother's case can't get in contact with anyone. Um, in the meantime, she's still having these visions and scary dreams. Um... And she's just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. She finds out that before her mother's death, her mother, there was this journal of Irving's that was part of the Historic Hudson Valley Collection um, at Sunnyside or whatever, Irving's house. Um, and it has, it was sent to a lab for authentication, but it has gone missing. And the last person to have seen it was Michaela's mother. And so now everyone, everyone, nobody liked her, Michaela's mother before, but now everyone's like, oh, she even, she stole the journal. Yeah. Um, and her mother keeps trying to, like, sort of contact her via Michaela's clairvoyance, psychic abilities. I don't know if it's clairvoyance when you're seeing dead people. I think that's uh, different, but, um, whatever. And is, you know, wants her to find all this stuff. 
getting visions about digging stuff up. Um, there's a weird subplot with her cat. <laughs> it's just a really sad subplot. Her cat winds up getting murdered. Yeah. Her cat has just been, like, chilling outside of her house. Apparently. And, like, her neighbor has been putting food out, but, like, it's just been living outside and, like, living its life. Um, and then it gets murdered. Which his name is Coconut, and it's white and fluffy, so does that sound like the kind of cat that's going to survive outdoors to you? No. My cat, Smokey, could. My cat, Smokey, is a killer. So, he catches grasshoppers. And he doesn't carry him around in his mouth. And then he just, like, lets him go and he just, like, bats him. It's hilarious. <laughs> you should see it. Anyway. Anyway. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the book. Okay, so... So, Michaela's just running around town trying to find stuff out. Her, anyway, her cat, who sounds like the most indoor cat ever, has been living outside, and so she tries to, like, go and find it, blah, 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 whatever. She ends up following, I think, her, like, psychic visions or something to the cemetery. She comes across her mother's grave, and across her mother's grave is the butchered body of the cat, um, which seems like it's run over by a bicycle. By a bicycle, yeah. And then she notices, and this is, like, where weird shit is going on. She notices this person in, like, a hoodie, so she can't see her face, his face, um, on a bike, riding around, and then he's, he has a baseball bat, too. Anyway, yeah, I think he ran over the cat and clubbed the cat's head with the baseball bat. Um, anyway, he's still in the cemetery, and I guess he's just been, like, waiting for her? I don't know. I don't know why he's here. Um, yeah, it's later we But then out- she starts being chased by this guy on his mountain bike. Yeah. With swinging a baseball bat, which, how hard is it to ride a bike with one hand, Cause, like, because they're not on, like, the street. Yeah. They, and he's holding a baseball bat. He's, like, riding through, like, a slow, like, a up and down cemetery. Uh-huh. Anyway, also, later we find out who this guy is, and I'm just, like, a little bit confused on why was he would be clubbing her. School? Well, he was supposed to be in school. <laughs> but also, I'm, like, because there's a very, like, they, like, they do try to kill her at the end of the book. Spoiler again. But, like, it wouldn't have worked if they clubbed her earlier. Why? Because they what? needed her to find the thing. I think they were, I don't, I don't know if they were thinking that's her head. Oh. I. Then why did they just want to club her? Because they were mad? I, like, don't understand at all of them. No, because their whole motivation was to use her as, like, collateral with her dad. Well, maybe they're just going to knock her out and tie her up, you know? Oh, maybe. Which means. When we find out who they are, there seems like there's a lot easier ways they can do this because she sleeps in their house. <laughs> so when someone's unconscious and sleeping, it seems like it'd be pretty easy to just knock them on that with a baseball bat and time to a chair. I don't know why you have to chase them through a cemetery. Just give them a Valium. <laughs> give them a Valium. <laughs> um, smother them. <laughs> <laughs> Tie her breath back and then you do the same thing. No, you don't want to kill them. They're asleep. <laughs> Just smother them enough so they're unconscious. I guess they're already unconscious because they're sleeping. <laughs> What's the line? And how are you going to know? <laughs> you wait. You check their balls. You wait till it slows. It doesn't stop. <laughs> you move the pillow and they start fighting. Oh, okay. Put the pillow back over. <laughs> Get some chloroform. <laughs> There's so many options that are not just, like, brute force clubbing while they're in the cemetery. <laughs> okay, these people are not smart, though. <sighs> anyway. Oh, let's go back to the teacher subplot. Wait, we have to... So, okay, one quick thing about the cemetery, because we're... No, this is Fine. important. Oh, that is really important. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's being chased by this 
person, she can't see who they are, on a mountain bike, over and across the hills or whatever, um, who is waving a baseball bat. And she, in the mix with this, suddenly this headless horseman appears, like a legit, like, ghosty headless horseman yeah. thing. And then he starts chasing her. So now she's running from a real person who's going to try and kill her and a ghost who presumably is trying to kill her, too. Um, this is happening. Like, they mentioned the covered bridge in, uh-huh. in the story of the actual legend. Um, so this is happening in, like, the same place where Ichabod Crane from the story tried to escape the Headless Horseman. Um, and so she's running, and it turns out that... I don't remember exactly how this goes down, but um, the headless horseman is actually trying to protect her. Like he goes after yeah. the person on the bike he and trips, leaves her she trips. alone. Oh yeah, she like trips and like and hides she's... behind a tombstone or something. Yeah, but she's like, chill. Yeah, she's like, I'm done for. But the headless horseman starts chasing the kid on the bike, uh-huh. which no one else like who we find out who the person on the bike is. Never like they never talk about the fact that like, oh hey. Ghostly headless horseman chased me through the cemetery today. Well, why would they say that to her? That would be but, pretty good. To get but away. it seems like they never even noticed. Or like, I don't no. know why they just suddenly didn't like freak out and be like a ghost freaking chasing me through the cemetery. Maybe today. they did to their accomplice, but not to their victim. It just seems like that would have come up in the story. Okay, well, I would probably have been really secretive about it because well, not guess not from the know. point of view of the narrator, but like. Okay, well, that's where we get the whole novel from, though. I know, but I don't understand where you think this would have come in. She, like, overhears them in the coffee. Like, then she wouldn't have known who it was. It seems like even if they didn't, if she didn't talk about them knowing about it, that they would have, like, I don't know, changed some plans. I don't know. If I got chased by a ghost in the cemetery, I might rethink my life. Whatever they don't. The point is. Um, so anyway, that happens. Now we're going to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to go to a, a I don't know how to, I don't know how to integrate this seamlessly into our plot so we're not gonna even try well so the okay so here i have an opening for you so part of the problem with all this shit is not only that (laughs) like (laughs) is that michaela is she's trying to figure out what the heck is going on she's seeing visions she's starting to get the sense that maybe her mother did not slip and her mother was killed she can't get her into the police she can't figure out any of this stuff that's going on within all of this so she also can't figure out who she's supposed to be able to trust um, namely, this man that's following her around in a blue eclipse. Well, there's this guy following her around. There's her childhood friend, Bram. But she's also getting the spirit version of her mother, I think, is telling her not to trust anyone. Um, also this random woman. There's a neighbor woman. She's not sure who she can trust. Along with the people she doesn't know she can trust is this person she meets at school who's not a student. So that man following her around in the blue eclipse and the man that she sees at the house, she goes in to school on the first day of school and that man is also her student teacher in her English class. And she's kind of bummed because she was really excited to have her real English teacher, who's like a, per, like a, a doctorate, he has his doctorate in, I'm assuming, English. <laughs> um, English literature, and he specializes in, obviously, this town, because everyone specializes <laughs> in this the, town. the only thing that people <laughs> in this town specialize on. So this guy has, um, is coming from Harvard to do his student teaching, and the student teacher. But it's also the guy that's been, like, stalking her. And so she's like, this is weird. But then she winds up, like, she ignores him on the first day of school. But then later, he convinces her to have a meeting with him. And they, like, meet on this, like, college campus. And he, like, talks to her and he tells her who he is, um, why he's there, and uh, sort of. So he is, at this point, he doesn't tell her that he's a private investigator. Why do we find out he's a private investigator? Um, But he's like, you know... I'm here working on my thesis research for 
about these American authors and studying, like, the towns that they've come from. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. And then <laughs> he's also like, be careful with, like, she, he particularly mentions Bram because Bram comes from one of those families that is a descendant of the Irving, the larger Irving family. Um, and he's like, really be careful of him. You know, he is out to get you, maybe. Because she's also hunting for this journal. He's hunting for this journal. Everyone's hunting for this missing Irving journal. And the professor also introduces this idea of um, that Irving perhaps had another secret. And that he might have had an affair with Mary Shelley. And that they might have had a child. Or, in fact, two children. Because there is a reference to, like, a double creation somewhere. Although no one else has ever heard of it. But this it's guy, in the missing journal. Yeah, in the, it's in the missing journal. And so... Um, the student teacher man, who's also stalking her, is like, I think they had twins. So, that perhaps Irving does have direct descendants. So, these families that are claiming that they're, like, the closest descendants of the Irvings probably wouldn't want that to come out because then their, like, claim to any sort of, like, wealth that comes from that is negated. Well, I think, yeah, also, so Irving had these, like, private journals along with this missing journal. There's, like, this... He makes reference to, he, like, he doesn't want anyone besides, Irving says on his journal or whatever, he doesn't want anyone besides his direct descendants reading through this journal, getting a hold of this so-called double creation, all this stuff. Um, and the rest of the town is just like, what the hell? Because they didn't have any direct descendants. Right. Um, and, it, well, he says, it's not that no one else can read it, but it's that his, like, his direct descendants have to be the ones to, like, release it and, like, to be in charge of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. And, um, not only does this seem not possible, it's also annoying from their standpoint, um, as being the, like, closest relatives, because there are no direct descendants. Um, and it makes Michaela's mom even more annoying. Um, because she, as this Cuban immigrant, is a direct descendant. And everyone's like, that doesn't make freaking sense! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the student teacher, his name is Dane, um, and... Um, there's also, like, a romance subplot between the two of them. There's not a lot about this character that makes a ton of sense, okay? So he's in Sleepy Hollow student teaching. He's from Harvard, which Harvard is, you know, how far is it? It's an hour and a half from there. It's at least five hours away. (laughs) Well, I think the reason he is student teaching there is because he's also working on his thesis work. Which... It's another part that doesn't make sense to me. So I wrote my thesis while I was student teaching, but it was an undergraduate thesis. This really seems like he's doing, like, a master's or doctorate. Yeah. No, I think I think it is implied that he's doing grad, graduate school. Yeah, because the, otherwise you're not running right. around the freaking country doing Yeah, shit. I think it's implied that he's doing graduate school because uh, the professor, that, or I guess he's not a professor, the doctor that he's working with, the High school teacher, teacher, yeah, um, said that he met him when he was at undergrad, which was at, not at Harvard. He went to some other school for undergrad. Yeah, or something. This makes no sense. I don't understand. Whatever, his story doesn't supposed to make sense because it's not actually true, so. Um, he's actually, he's private. You can't be getting your doctorate in English while okay, you're teaching in high school. <laughs> which is why it doesn't make Obviously. sense, because it's not real. He's a private investigator. We don't find this out till much later, but before we find it out, um, he's clearly, like, he's, like, so when Michelle mentioned that he was, like, stalking Michaela, Michaela, the first time when she meets him in high school, she's like, okay, maybe we've just been in, like, the same place at the same time a lot or something. Um, but it's just, like, it's weird how he looks at her, 
she's like, oh, he's really attractive, and I'm just like, oh my Yeah, they're God. like a romance. They, like, are very much flirting. There's very, very much yeah. a romance subplot. She talks about how much she, like, thinks about him when he's walking around and, like, blah 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 And, and like, it's, like, like, almost noticeable with other kids in the class. Yeah. Because, like, Bram, who shares her English class, is, like, not cool with this. Is not cool with him, like, talking to her in class. Bram is, we find it as, like, seems really possessive. Um, yeah, Bram doesn't seem like he would be, like, entirely healthy. An impartial observer, yeah. Um, but it's kind of, like, other people in the class are suspecting that there's something up between Mikhail and the student teacher, which is super creepy. Because you're not. As and you sh- we've talked about this illegal. in the past. Yeah, yeah. Sh- teachers shouldn't have relationships with their students. I mean, she is technically 18, which is, like, fairly old to start your senior year of high school. It is. So, like, to be 18 already when September rolls around? It's just, strange. like, the paper-thin justification for there being. Uh, and, I mean, teacher. he's only supposed to be, like, 23. But if he's, like, in grad school, which it appears he is, then he's, like, at least 23, if not Holy. older. 23 would be fairly young. Yeah, um, he's not even done with his masters. Yeah. So anyway, that's not not cool, guys. We're gonna point it out again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and they don't really have a relationship. It's but it's really creepy. It's like stuff it's that so like a creepy. teacher would never do, like um, sending emails about stuff that's not related to school, telling children not to date people or to hang out <laughs> with people. Yeah, that idea. Um, wanting to know what your students' personal life. Signing off your emails with your first name, ha- letting your student and telling them to call you by their first name, by your first name, um, meeting them outside. Of, this is all stuff that happens in my book. Meeting them outside of school at a coffee shop. That wasn't with Dane. That was with her actual teacher. No, it happened first with Dane, and then with her. Actual and then teacher. later with her actual teacher. Which her actual teacher is like super wary of this situation. Yeah, so her like, actual teacher is like, "Here's the makeup work. Goodbye." Well, he also he knows why. She meets with her actual teacher to also talk about her mom because yeah. he worked on some projects with her. There's kind of so it, like made extenuating a more circumstances. Sense. Yeah, but yeah, no, the Dane thing is creepy. We just wanted to point out that it's creepy. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No. And um, no. He like touches her like not no, inappropriately. Not inappropriately. <laughs> but like that's just, like once you're a teacher, like any like touching your student basically at all becomes inappropriate. Because that's um, the country we live in and the time we live in, so. Yeah, we have a strict no-touching policy at my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when you're meeting outside of, outside of, like, you're not even at school grounds now. You're just randomly somewhere else sitting on a bench together and you're, like, holding your student's hand. Like, what the hell? As a implica- student teacher, I guess who's getting fired. What the <laughs> hell implications do you think people are going to draw from that? Yeah. Which people, someone else sees her and sends pictures to Bram. Yeah, there's, like, another like, guard you want to You want to do something with those pictures? Guess who you send them to? You send them to administration at the school. <laughs> and, like, yeah, uh, you're done. You're not um, going to That's her. happening. Her next-door neighbor, she winds up getting in touch with her next-door neighbor because things get weird with Bram, and Bram's like, you can't talk to Dane, and Dane's like, you can't talk to Bram, and she doesn't know who to trust, which we already talked about a little bit. Um, so she winds up going and staying with her neighbor, Betty Joe, Betty Ann. Betty Ann. Whatever, she has two names, one of them is Betty. Uh, and her next door neighbor is like... With a close friend of her mother's. Yeah. Her mother they, left the safe deposit box key with her. Yep. And they've known her since uh, she was a child and whatever. She seems pretty cool. So she goes and she finds the safety deposit box that her mother left her. She goes, opens the safety deposit box. There's a bunch of stuff in it, including a family tree. Yeah. And a picture of Mary Shelley. 
who she's like, hey, this is the woman I've been having dreams about. That ghost woman was Mary Shelley. Yeah, also, okay, sorry, something I forgot to bring up when we were talking about Dane, creepy student teacher, but not actually, still creepy because he's still an adult. Um, he has this crazy theory that Washington Irving and Mary Shelley had an affair. Like, this is his, like, theory that he's going to write for his thesis. Um, we mentioned that theory, but we didn't mention that that was his theory. So he's also there investigating... And so, like, all these people supposedly want the journal for their own means, and that's part of the reason that Michaela's having such a hard time figuring out what the hell is going on. But she finds this family tree in the safety deposit box, which shows that Washington Irving had a son who came with him to Spain because Irving used to be the U.S. ambassador to Spain, which, if you go to the um, Alhambra in Granada, um, the big... Muslim Palace Fortress. Um, there's a Washington Irving room in it. Weird connection. I didn't understand it at the time. <laughs> Before I read this novel. Um, I think someone told me about it, but I was just like, whatever, okay. <laughs> um, had this son. So then he ends up having this point of his family in Spain. They eventually immigrate to Cuba. And they eventually immigrate to the United States. Guess who they are? Michaela's mother and Michaela. Whoa! So Michaela is a descendant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she has all this stuff, but she doesn't have the journal. She really thought the journal was going to be the safety deposit box. Also, it seems like the safety deposit box was big enough to fit the journal, so like, mm-hmm. what the heck. Um, turns out, so she, then she starts to become suspicious of her neighbor, because her neighbor was the one with the key. Maybe her neighbor stole the thing, the journal from the safety deposit box. She confronts her neighbor. Her neighbor, like, cries, because she, like... It's like, sorry, I it's took this. It's elderly woman trying to help her, and now right. she's <laughs> screamed at. And she's like, I did take something to the safety deposit box, but only because you freaking hate these dolls. And there was this creep, Sophia, like her, the doll that her mom the made. The ugliest to, doll of them all. Well, the one that her mom made to look like her. That was like her She doll. keeps, okay, every time this Sophia doll comes out, she describes it as uglier than sin, more beautiful than truth. And I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I don't know. What are you talking about? But yeah, she stole the Sophia doll, and... Um, she's like, I'm sorry I took it. I didn't think you'd want it because you freaking hate these dolls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Michaela's like, that's true. Good point. <laughs> that's fine. Sorry I yelled at you. Um. <laughs> sorry I lost it. So, yeah. But then she's suddenly like, hey, why did my mom spend all that time in the basement sewing creepy dolls for no freaking purpose? Maybe she needed an outlet. Or maybe she hid the journal pages inside the dolls, and so she has to cut all of them open. Yeah, she's just ripping up every doll in Betty Ann's house. Which makes Betty Ann is, like, really sad. Betty Ann freaking loves these dolls. <laughs> But anyway, she re- and she doesn't. I feel like there was a way to do this like gently. She like cuts their clothes off. I feel like for the well, most part, it was in the back, so she's cutting through only the back. I mean, if all she did was make the cut in like the back of the doll's body, they could have easily sewn up again. Right. She cut the clothes she didn't off the head too. Off. <laughs> she was cutting all the clothes off and then cutting up the back. Oh. And I was like, could you just pull the clothes over the doll's head? <laughs> like Betty Ann loves these dolls. That's a lot of work. Really... I don't have time to undress a doll too. Jeez. Um. Yeah, so she finds the, the whole journals in the, inside these dolls, because there's, like, 40 of them. <laughs> Why did her mother um, spend so many years, and, like, this commented on that her mother, when she wasn't obsessively researching the journal, is just in the basement, talking to herself, and sewing creepy-looking dolls. And it's, okay, so then Michaela's like, oh, I really missed, I, like, didn't understand my mother, she was really doing this for me, blah, 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 blah. But the journal hasn't been stolen for the entire entirety of Michaela's childhood. Like, 
Michaela's mom then was like, you know, it's a good place to hide these, the dolls. And then she goes back in, cuts the dolls open, hides the journal pages in. Because it doesn't make sense for her to hide the journal pages before the journal has gone missing. Yeah, the journal's only been missing for a short amount of time. Maybe like, a couple of years, at most. So, so, so Michaela's mom has also been sewing dolls for, like... Yeah, 16 years Guess in what? preparation. This doesn't, this doesn't help. This doesn't help Michaela's mom's case, okay? Yeah, Michaela... <laughs> Michaela thinks it does, but it doesn't. Yeah, Michaela becomes more sympathetic towards her mother, and then she feels really guilty. And I understand, like, the natural guilt. Yeah, you should But then she starts guilty. to be like, oh, my mother really did. And she she kind of has, like, this revisionist portrayal, basically, yeah. of her mother. And she's kind of like, um, we never really actually got any information showing that your mother... Yeah. Like, yeah, she, you're fine. Your mother was right. Like, her journal theory was right. And she used the dolls she spent 17 years sewing to hide this journal, but, like... She didn't have that plan until at least 15 <laughs> years after she started. That doesn't change any of the preceding history where she kind of, you know, ignored you and was more focused on this than anything else. So... Yeah. And, like, we're not talking about, like, a career woman. We're talking about someone who was, like, obsessed from the vantage point of everyone else. Like, to an unhealthy degree. Yeah. So... I, yeah. Yeah. It seems like maybe they just shouldn't have kids. It seems like neither parent really wanted children in their life, which is fine. But, like, why then did you have a kid? <laughs> anyway. Yep. So now she's found the journal. She finds everything. She keeps having visions of Mary Shelley. She's now being led to, she gets, she has this dream, vision, whatever, of digging, digging up a lavender bush. Um, which turns out to be, like, around the shed at, like, Sunnyside, mm-hmm. Washington Irving's home. And that's where, finally, whatever, so Mary Shelley can rescue these. Because she's being haunted by Mary Shelley, I guess, because Mary Shelley has lost a child, whatever. There's a whole backstory between Irving and Shelley, yeah. but we don't care. Because Mary Shelley didn't get to keep her kid because of Social society. Yeah. <laughs> Washington took it to Spain. Back in the day, when we were in high school, our junior year, we had to do biography projects, like presentations, on a mm-hmm. European intellectual. Um, which I ended up doing a presentation on, like, six different women, none of whom were intellectuals, because I did them on, um, uh, OSS and, uh, what were they called? Uh, I don't think we did uh, Secret Agents in, in, um, France during World War Two. Do we have to do, I don't know if I, you, my class had to do this project. Yes, because I'm going to tell a story about your class. Oh. So the point is, I did my project whatever I wanted and got like 110 percent on it, and it was not about European intellectuals. It was about people in Europe, but um, they were secret agents, not really intellectuals. Whatever. I can do my project. Whatever on. I don't know. Churchill. No, you didn't because that was. (laughs) Do you remember the presentation on Churchill? We were told, and yes, we were told in someone's presentation on Churchill that um, he was conceived a month early because his mother (laughs) fell off a horse. Like, he really didn't know why what he said was incorrect. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Uh, uh, he meant to say that he was born early, if you couldn't figure out what's going on there. You can't be conceived early. It just doesn't make any sense from any standpoint. You're just conceived when you're conceived. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> I was just sitting across the room from the teacher, and he said that, and I, like, looked up really fast, and our teacher, Richard, looked up really fast, and we just looked at each other, and Richard's face was just 
priceless. Oh, Richard. And then I started laughing hysterically. Uh, and then uh, and then Richard tried to correct Ted, and Ted was like, Ted was like, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, conceived early. I knew what I said, and I meant it. <laughs> that's how we knew it was in the slip of the tongue, because our teacher was like, are you sure that's what you meant? And he was like, yes, I'm 100% sure. Are you dense? Like, <laughs> that's why I said it. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Uh, good time uh, history class. I don't remember who I did my If it makes you feel better, that child went to pharmacy school, not to med school. I don't know if that makes you feel better or not. So, shout out. He also crashed his car like seven times all year. Maybe we shouldn't tell more personal stories. We're going to figure it no out. No one's ever going to find this. That knows us. Um, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe Ted's our biggest <laughs> Well, we'll deal with that when we deal with that. Um, what were we talking about before that moment? Oh, yeah, European intellectuals. Someone in your class did their presentation on Mary Shelley. Hmm. And I just remember she's telling a story about Mary Shelley, and Mary Shelley lost a child. I'm not multiple sure if an infant's... Like, yeah, she lost multiple children, I think. Some, some like, she, like, miscarried some, like, Some miscarried some... Yeah, <laughs> I like, think she might have lost some as infants, too. Yeah, it seems she also lost some, some living children, and so lost children, and she loses her husband, too. Mm-hmm. She becomes a widow, and then later she finds out, this is from someone's presentation on Mary Shelley, and so how much of this was cold, hard fact, and how much of this is, like, sort of theory and historical speculation, mm-hmm. not totally clear, because this is all the information I have on Mary Shelley, I got it from one presentation <laughs> in junior year of history from a student, um... She loses children, she loses her husband, and then she finds out after she's lost her husband that her husband supposedly was having an affair with her best friend. Awkward. And the student giving the presentation was like, so she was a little bit upset. And I was like, I would be insane if this happened to me. Like, I would have, we would have been several points past upset. Like, losing children, then losing your husband, then finding out that your husband had an affair with your best friend. Like, I would be crazy. But anyway, so Mary Shelley's had a rough life. She's had a rough life. So, but she's haunting this girl, and she wants her to dig up the lavender bush. And so, sure. um, Michaela really wants to stop having these freaking dreams because they're making it hard to sleep. Yep. So she decides so to dig up the lavender bush, and this all goes down on Halloween, which is unc- I don't actually know if that's like actual Halloween or not, but oh, it's it's Sleepy Hollow's Sleepy Hollow celebration, yeah. and they have it at the big house, and everybody dresses up. And, um, the, what's the word? Uh, whatever. The, um, crowning achievement of this event is, that's not what I was searching for. I think what I was searching for was French, but I don't speak any French. Um, is a reenactment of the Headless Horseman. So, like, every year some boy from the village is chosen to get on a horse and ride around with a pumpkin pumpkin. But no, the pumpkin's not on your head, because there's nothing, and then you have to carry oh. the pumpkin. And ride a horse. And, ride and a horse capture, a, capture a damsel. Which, that's what's added to the production this year. But guess who the Headless Horseman is? It's Bram. And Michaela shows up, freaking out, wanting his help digging up the lavender bush. Which, if she doesn't trust him, I don't know why she's like, I'll get him to help me dig she it decides up. She's gonna tr- she decides she's trust him, because... Uh-huh. Oh, by the because way, they've been, they've been rom- romantically involved now. We've yeah, they've made out a couple completely. Times. Yeah, Bram's been in love with her since she was 12, apparently. That was, like, the last thing he said to her before she left was that, like, he was in love with her, and she was like, oh. Okay, bye, I'm good, Miami. 
Yeah, and she was kind of like, well, I really hope he's gotten over that, like, childhood infatuation or whatever. And the answer is no. It's, like, laid on pretty heavy that, like, will they or won't they? She's like, I can't fall for Bram, but I want to. And they make out a bunch of times. Yeah. This time I think, I'm pretty sure it's just making out. We get some, like, warning. No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> we get some, like, warning signs that Bram is clearly, like, super possessive. Yeah, he's not a nice guy. He doesn't, yeah, he has some points where he just loses his mind. But anyway, so we're on Hollow's Eve. He's, like, a little sketchy, but she's decided she's going to trust him because they've been friends since they were children. She, I guess at one point, yeah. was looking through photo albums of them, like, hanging out when they were, like, literally, like, And this has been, like, her only friend. Like, again, the rest of the town hates her. Yeah. Um, and so she shows up. He is like, come be in the production with me. Because um, she used to have, like, Katrina Van Tassel, which all the girls do because... Yeah. Because you have to wear a corset and it pushes your boobs up, so. <laughs> Seems fun. Um, anyway. And so they do that production, and then they ride the horse from the production to the shed. Yep. And they start digging. Yep. She makes Bram dig up this lavender bush. She's like, do you want me to help? And he's like, no. There's no and so then she just sits there. He digs it up. Lo and behold, they find a box thing. Whatever. Something in the ground. What's in the ground? It is the novel creation. The novel creation is a novel story thing mm-hmm. written between Washington, but it's co-authored by Irving and Shelley. And this is a really big deal. Yeah, because these are two, like, really important authors that wrote something together, so now confirms, like, also the romantic history. Um, and it's, like, yeah. They don't. Clearly going to be worth a lot of money. Um, so then the, as they're digging this up and looking at the book, she hears that bicycle in the distance and then she sees the guy in the bike show up and guess what? It's Jonathan. We didn't talk about Jonathan at all. Jonathan's Bram's brother. <laughs> they're not brothers. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yes, huh? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yep. 100%. Because they have the same mom. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Bram's brother, Jonathan, shows up, and they put, they hit her in the head with the, the shovel and put her in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, yes, we've gotten, like, signs that Bram is, like, possessive, but not that Bram's a murderer. And as they're, so then they start burying her alive. Burying her alive. Alive. She can't get out of the hole because her arms really hurt, and she also just get hit in the head with the shovel, so I think she's a what little, like, arms? I don't know, she's been running around. She, tra- she, she like, blocks stuff. the shovel with her arm, but then, oh. like, then she just hurt her arm and her head. Because um, a shovel is a lot stronger than your arm when it's swinging pretty fast. Um, so she, like, her arm's broken. And I think she has also gotten hit in the head, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite as bad as if she just like, took the blow entirely to her head. But anyway, so they're burying her alive. And they're talking while they're burying her. And they're talking about how they killed her mom. Yeah. So this is not, like, an accidental, I, which obviously could not have been read as an accident. But, like, this was, like, a long-plotted scheme yeah no they try and bury her alive her father shows up this is why she's trying to get out of this hole which it was um maybe because i was just reading fast and i didn't even bother to like reread things it didn't make sense but um she starts talking about how she starts she's being buried alive Mm -hmm. but she can still breathe while she's down there i don't think they've gotten all the way i think she's sitting and i don't think they've gotten to her head 
because by the time, so her dad shows up, and there, Jonathan's like, Bram, why did you tell him to show up here? And she's like, he was like, I didn't know she was going to bring me out here. Mm-hmm. So it just happens to be that they're also meeting her dad at the same time they're burying her in the backyard. So. Well, then she starts talking about, when she starts climbing out of the hole, she starts talking about rungs. And I was like, I think, what the hell? She's is there a ladder in the hole? Because they just <laughs> dug up this bush. How deep is this hole? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like this hole is, like, really deep. Which, like, holes take a while to dig. I don't know if you've ever had to dig a hole, but, like, they're not, like, it seems, fast. It seems it's it deep seems enough deep. to bury her, apparently. Alive, so apparently. So six feet. And I, I didn't even think about the fact that maybe she's sitting up and they're just piling dirt on top of her lap like they're building a sandcastle. <laughs> because that's a ridiculous image. <laughs> I she's just sitting there and she's like, oh, my arm hurts. I'll just sit here and wait for you to dump dirt on me. I guess like, that's not happening. Well, she's like, never gets buried. Well, then she talks about, she's like, I kept trying to scream, but no one could hear me. Well, I think she is like, I think, I don't know. I don't understand. It's very, I don't understand how she was being buried alive, but she... Could still breathe, but no one could hear her scream. I think she's sitting. And then when she goes to climb out, she <laughs> just climbs there the are, ladder. There, it does reference rungs in the book, and I was like, and I was like, wait, is there a ladder down there? <laughs> they left her a ladder. They're like, because there wasn't a ladder before. <laughs> no one got in the hole, right? Right? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they went and got a ladder so they could climb down and retrieve it. I don't know. Whatever. They bring her alive. Her dad shows up. Um. So the boys are now fighting with her dad in the front yard, and she's like, I'm going to get out of this hole before they come back. This whole, the whole point of this, apparently, is to extort money from the father, whose business is, I guess, going under, and took a lot of loans from everybody in Sleepy Hollow, and now Never paid them back. They want their money. Right. Then that's the whole reason, I guess, that they murdered the mom, too. Which, like, guys, depending on the loan they got, but most of the time what happens if you're, like, a normal person, like, you invest in a business. So if it goes under, guess who doesn't get money back? I feel like most of the time small business small business loans don't come from, like, your next-door neighbor. It's bizarre. Also, if they really did give them a legitimate loan, then certainly they have some sort of contract. And, like, they can take him to court. Anyway, so they're... I also don't know why killing his separated wife is going to be what... Right. They're fighting with him. She climbs out. Doesn't she climb on the roof? Huh? <laughs> is that? No. Oh, the ladder is just out of the hole. Cause yeah. There's, there's like a clear ladder. I thought she climbed onto the roof. No. Okay. Well, she gets out of the hole while they're fighting with her dad. Her dad is supposed to bring a bunch of money to get his daughter back. And then he's like, let me um, go into the car. And he goes in the car and he grabs a gun. Of course, I would have just brought the freaking gun with me. And I don't know why I would have left it in the car. I'm not getting out of the car without the gun. <laughs> and then, so then, there's a gun. He gets into an altercation with the boys. They try to start attacking him. Then the Headless Horseman shows up. And cuts off one of their heads. One of yeah, the boys' heads. Yeah, the Headless heads. Horseman comes running at them. Michaela's like, finally, someone who's on my side for real. <laughs> the Headless Horseman is like, Headless Horseman, Betty Ann, and Dr. Turner, the English teacher, are pretty much the only people on Michaela's side. Um, so, the Headless Horseman cuts off Jonathan's head. Is a ghost, but apparently has a real sword, and legit cuts off the head. Which I was with like, Bram! So Bram and him, like, <laughs> they're like, it's like scissors. And they're like, swords clank together, and they both cut off Jonathan's head. Really? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bram just killed his brother. Which was like a really dark, like, really grotesque. I didn't They talk about his head, head was gonna get They talk about off. his head rolling away, and she's like, I can still hear his screams echoing in the air. And I was like, okay. Uh, so yeah. I did not think that was gonna happen in this book. Yep, so it's like a lot. <laughs> head gets cut off, but then Bram starts going after. He like sees that Michaela's still on the ground because her dad yells to her, and she's like, 
freaking dad. Don't yell and tell him that I'm over here. Right. Mikhail's um, trying to get the journal because she's like. And the gun. Every freaking person in my life shouldn't die so that we would just leave the journal behind. And the gun. The gun is right by the journal. And the gun, yeah. Um, but then he sees the gun and her, and so he runs for the gun. But she gets it first because she, like, has a burst of adrenaline because she's like, doesn't want to get killed, which seems understandable. Um, and so she's holding the gun, pointing it at Bram, and then Bram gets shot, but she's like, I didn't pull the trigger. Well, because Bram was about to, Bram has some kind of weapon. Does he still only have a sword? Yeah. I feel like Bram, I don't know. Bram was about to kill her, I guess. And then Dane shoots him. Dane shows up out of nowhere and shoots well, Bram. Well, Dane was the one who was creepily standing around in a mask during the rest of Halloween, like, watching oh, her. Yeah, I didn't get that. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's that. Oh, no, I had to talk about... So then she takes the book. So now everything's happily ever after. Now we have, like, the epilogue-ish thing. I mean, I don't think it's an epilogue, it's not, but, like... It's the last chapters, but... But it's whatever. essentially the same thing, because the plot is over. Like, the plot hill is over, so now we're just hanging out. Anyway. <laughs> the descending action. The descending action. So she gets the... <laughs> she gets the journal and the book, and she sells them both for $5 million. Yeah. And then she gives the money to people she likes. So like she gives Betty Jo some. She tries to give Dane some, but he's already Betty left. Betty Ann. Betty Ann. He tries to give Dane like a, a million. seven figure check, she says. A million dollars, I'm assuming. It's like, holy shit. It's like 20%. I guess um, he saved her life, I guess. Yeah. I guess. You can't um, put a price she on like, that. I think she like pays, pays the town back. And yeah, she like, she like donates some stuff. She like. Seems fine. I'm a little bit like, mm, maybe we shouldn't sell like, I don't know. I feel a little bad when people sell like historical works for like a lot of money and i get that like you can but like maybe we shouldn't maybe you like ha- there's should be a sense of that like this belongs to everyone like most of the novel like the journal i can see selling but like that novel like the fact that you own it, it seems kind of like a tenuous excuse to sell it for five million dollars especially since you buried you like unburied it from like this historical society's like yard and like yes technically it does belong to you because you're the closest descendant but like mm-hmm. still seems a little I mean, skeevy I think she donates the journal and she sells the novel the original novel which i mean yeah but also like it's a it's a story or a novel or whatever so you could easily sell the publishing rights to someone and they could print actual copies that anybody could have right and then sell the original to someone i don't know I don't know what she does. I guess I'm not really invested in this because it's not a real story. And I, like, if someone actually unearthed a real Washington or and Mary Shelley co-written story, I don't know what I Yeah, obviously, like, I would want Like, if someone, like, was like, oh, I have another copy of the Declaration of Independence in my attic, I'd be like, um, please don't, you can't sell that to some rich person in China. Like, that's ours. Right. For, like, a museum or something. Yeah. I don't have the same stake in, like, a fictional Irving Shelley collaboration. That's true. No, I would want it to, like, like, available in, like, those Penguin Classic <laughs> edition mm-hmm. published, but I don't know. I feel a little... You can loan it to people. That's what you do with when you have fancy things. You, like, loan it to museums, and they put your name on things. Yeah, but you don't get any money when you loan it. I know. That's fine. I don't think she should have gotten money. I, she didn't write it. I'm sorry you didn't work that hard. I don't know. I get she, like, inherited it. I was, like, oh, a little bit joke. works. You didn't work for it. You inherited it. Okay, well, I don't have any inherited, so... I would be totally fine if I was an heiress. I wouldn't be mad. Okay. I'm not an heiress. Not that you know. Maybe you got someone somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe my family is really rich and they're just holding out on me. Probably. 
That's probably it. <laughs> um, do we have any other thoughts on this book? Um, yeah, the only other thing I wanted to say was, in terms of, like, at the very end, she yeah. goes, she tries to reconnect with Dane, and then she's seven, and then, so Michaela's all like, which, okay, I understand, she's very torn up about what happened with Bram, which I understand, because it really seemed like there was no, yeah, I didn't that believe was... this character shift at the end. Oh, by the way, Bram's a murderer! No, the Bram like, stuff was, like, didn't make a lot Are you kidding? They've been childhood friends forever. Bram is the only one who's ever, like, are you saying Bram's been running a long con since he was five? Yeah, I feel like you have to either have two plots going on. He's been running a long con. <laughs> since he was five. <laughs> or there has to be, a, like, a some major event that, like, flipped the switch. I guess her moving to Miami could have been that, but, like, but what? that seems like a stretch and also wouldn't, wasn't explained. So if that's going to be your your flipping switch moment, like, maybe, like, go into that a little bit. There needs to be a lot more explained. Like, we, we have to have, a, like, a real reason. Not that just, like, one that we're piecing together. So, like, I think the idea is, like, Part of what we're supposed to get is there's a, a lot of classism, and Michaela used to be really poor, and she's, like, part of the reason I was ostracized is that, like, I always came to school with, like... Holes in my sneakers. Yeah, mismatched clothes or whatever, and um, then she was Miami. Her father's business does super well, and she becomes super wealthy. So she and heads back to town with the Michael Kors first. Yeah. Which, um, like, Manolo's and Michael Kors are, like, totally different le- levels yeah, of, totally like, different wealth. Levels. Michael Kors, you can get in the mall. Yeah, we have a Michael Kors store in our mall. And I mean, our mall is not, like, our mall is like a nice-ish mall. It's a, mm-hmm. the, only, um, the only retail, retail resort, resort in Colorado. Colorado. Um, but, like, there's a Michael Kors Whatever store. Like, a Michael is. Kors bag is, like, $200 probably around, on average. It's not cheap, but it's also not, it's not a status symbol either, really. No. I mean, we do live in, like, a part of, I guess it wouldn't have been a status symbol there either. It's not like they're living in... Like, a very, very impoverished neighborhood where, like, Michael Kors would be a stash symbol. Like, it's... It's just, it's so, it's so widespread that, like, it's not, be- anyone can have it. It's not, right. that's it's the not, thing people are talking about now with, like, luxury marketing and stuff is that, like, if anyone can get it, it's not. Like, it's, like, conspicuous branding is, like, no longer a symbol of like wealth and privilege because right. anyone can get it so everyone has Louis um, Vuittons now you know if they're and Louis only, Vuittons are like a lot more yeah Louis than... Vuitton has completely diluted their brand because they're everywhere now and anyone right. can get it and my and Louis Vuittons are probably about five times as expensive Plus they as have Michael super Kors. tacky logos a Louis Vuitton bag, bag is going to run you about eight hundred dollars versus two hundred yeah and Manolo um, I'm trying but to... they're not considered a prestige brand in that sense anymore you know, if it's a Birkin bag and they're only making three hundred, that's very clearly a status symbol. Right. Only three hundred people are going to get it, and it's also going to be several thousand dollars. Birkin bags are ludicrously expensive. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm trying to figure out how much Manolos are, but I think they normally run around like a thousand ish for Manolos. So they're just like completely different um, levels of wealth. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have like a Prada bag in Manolo's. Also, the, she like has the, a Michael Kors bag. The chance that someone at her high school is going to notice she's wearing Manolo's because she's not wearing high heels. She's wearing like sandals or something. Yeah. Like, the fact that anyone's going to, no one's going to know. Unless you're familiar with that style of Manolo, which honestly shoes are ripped off so much that I don't think I would assume they were Manolo's if I saw them no. here in my high school. Yeah, I would no assume high that they were the... is that good of a judge of quality of shoes from like 50 feet right, if kidding? I saw someone wearing shoes that, like, perhaps I had seen on, like, online, because uh-huh. I don't know Manolo's, um, that were Manolo's, look like, I think that they got knockoffs from Forever 21, like, everyone yeah. freaking knows. If I see someone walking around with, like, a red sole on their high heel, I don't think that they're actually wearing Louboutins, I think they're wearing a knockoff, obviously. 
I normally it depends on the situation. Depends on the situation. If I'm yeah. at the ballet and I see someone with red Maybe heels, they are. Maybe they are real. Depends on where they're sitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's Do other they have season tickets or are they sitting in the upper balcony? Are they sitting with me? <laughs> sometimes um, we get really good seats. Sometimes we do get really good seats, but it's because we got them on sale. <laughs> of course. Um and no, I mean the only distinctive looking shoes are like the really, really high end. And then those are like they're really distinctive because they're Impractical. like crazy looking high heels that you right. wouldn't wear anywhere that yeah. wasn't. If you have like you a McQueen armadillo, like the oh McQueen my gosh. armadillo shoes. Several shoe, several like... years ago, McQueen Alexander McQueen came out with these iris wedges and they were so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, but you couldn't like those don't look like knockoffs of anything. Yeah, I mean I mean, it probably is clear that she is coming from a little bit more money because she looks yeah. just like a little bit more pulled together. Her clothes are clothing. newer. But, but no like, one's going around thinking, oh, I'm going to No one is pricing her outfit. Yeah, also, like, high schoolers don't know anything. Okay, most high school girls think, like, Victoria's Secret and Juicy Couture and all this stuff is, like, the height of fashion, so. Yeah, Juicy I Couture? <laughs> I don't know what you think about your audience, but, like, these are not the people you're I just, I read a really interesting article about how Juicy Couture is coming back. Because, like, the tracksuits are, like, were really out of style, but now they're, like, coming back, but as separate. So, like, like, you would never wear the whole suit, but, like, coming back as separate. They're amazing. Those are beautiful. I'm showing her the Ale- so look up Alexander McQueen iris wedges. We'll tweet a picture. Amazing. Yeah, there we go. So Remind me. Gorgeous. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that was our thoughts. <laughs> Manolo's Bram. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I, I got really sidetracked in our conversation about high end shoes <laughs> or not high end shoes, as the case may be. My whole point was that she tries to reconnect with Dane because she's really kind of and yeah. Again, that's when we talked about there was literally no development that showed. I guess. Oh, the class is a math. Sorry, trying to figure out what the hell I was trying to talk about before. The class is a math fact. So these, yeah. they're not direct descendants of Washington Irving. Like all they have is this Irving history. Like that's very much what they're connected to. But like, the vibe we're supposed to get is that this is a poor community, um, where like the historic Hudson aspect of it is like their biggest, like sort of the biggest part of their economy, really. Yeah. The local economy, and so these people, these are sort of people with like this proud heritage, but actually like don't have a lot of. Um, wealth or economic mobility, really. Um, and so Michaela's come back wealthy now, right. so they resent her for that, just like they resented her before for also being too poor, so there's no way to win this. Um, and now, like, her dad, it seems like her dad has profited um, off of their struggle, essentially, especially if he took their money or whatever, and that's supposed to be the reason that they killed her mother and everything, but that just still doesn't seem like a strong enough motivation. Because you could go to court. But the other thing I want to say, so she tries to reconnect with Dane, but Dane's already left because he's a private investigator. Um, she eventually finds out, hired by her mother to keep her safe, because her mother, again, was a crazy psychic who suspected something like this. Um, and now she's like, I still have feelings for Dane, which again is an adult. I don't care that he's now a teacher, he's definitely an adult. Um, and this is freaking crazy. I just like don't understand how as an adult you're interested in a high schooler who... It's like, yeah, I just want to go to Yale and graduate. Like, they're not even in college. I, there's no reason for it. Um, that's what makes it so crazy. Um, and she can't find them. No one at the police station will tell her. Um, but then the secretary is like, his name is an anagram for Ichabod Crane. And you know how she knows this? It's because all she does at the police station is do, like, crosswords and word puzzles. <laughs> so If she doesn't do a job, she sits on the computer and plays with friends or whatever. But now she knows that. Yeah, the receptionist at the police station who's been um, really mean all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Will gave her this one helpful bit of information. So then she's like, now I'm going to go to Connecticut and track down Dane. And I'm like, this is weird. Also, I don't understand how she knows he's in Connecticut. Well, because they told her. Well, because the secretary is like, it's an anagram for Ichabod Crane. And she's like, okay. And she's like, where does Ichabod Crane come from? And the story comes from Connecticut. So Sleepy that's part- the story. He comes from Connecticut. Right, but why the F are we... Assuming that that's where he's going. I like <laughs> Because the receptionist, the receptionist knows who this person is, for real. She oh. must know that he comes from Connecticut. And he he goes to Sleepy Hollow. It, the whole thing is, it makes sense, guys. It makes as much sense as anything in the story. Um, and, um, what the hell was I trying to say? Yeah, so then she just, the end of the story, she heads up to Connecticut to see him again. And we're, it's kind of seems like, they're gonna rekindle whatever weird relationship is going on. That was the sense that I got at the end. It's like everything's gonna be fine because she's gonna meet Dane again and they're gonna live in Connecticut. And I'm just like, whatever. Is she ever gonna finish high school? Don't make that noise. It sounds horrible on the podcast. Um, <laughs> is she ever gonna finish high school? These are the real questions. She needs to like. Find someone her own age. <laughs> anyway, I think that's anyway, all of our our thoughts on the the wake the hollow, wake the hollow. Which I again were notorious for reading um, book descriptions at light speed and not actually coming away with an accurate pr- picture of what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought concerning the title wake the hollow, I said that it was gonna be like unspoken, where the, like the presence of them and like the magic and everything actually like wakes up all the latent magic in the countryside. Um, so I thought that meant that Sleepy Hollow was going to come to life too, and that it was her presence that um, made the ghost come out or whatever, but um, none of that happened. Maybe, but we were never told, so. <laughs> so it didn't happen because we're not told that. Well, the ghost shows up, and like no one else really seems to have like a lot of stories about this ghost, so. Well, she does mention she's like, well, you know, like everyone says it's a legend, but all the old women in Sleepy Hollow, like they believe oh. it. Okay, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I didn't read. The description page told me we were reading this, and so I did. <laughs> That's not quite how it went down, but I asked Michelle, and she's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Then she was surprised when it actually happened, and I was like, okay. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> anyway. I can't be in yeah, charge of remembering everything. Whatever else do they want? You made that scary, screechy noise. So. I don't know a screechy noise. It's a humming noise. Sounds like screechy. Anyway, we Let's will rate and recommend. Yeah, so on a scale of we discussed it. On a scale of Bram, Bram Stoker, Stoker to Mary Shelley, we give this Washington Irving. Obviously. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so if you if you're at all interested in this, you should probably just read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is a short story by Irving. Obviously you should read it. Um great for Halloween. I'm like super excited that Halloween is like kinda coming up. You're not going to get it, though. There's no Halloween in where you're going. <laughs> How do you know? I don't know anything about Scottish Halloween. Let's but as that. I told my parents when they asked me a bunch of dumb questions about holidays in Scotland, um, Halloween, like the tradition of jack-o'-lanterns, came from Ireland. So, like, I don't know why they're suddenly pretending that America has some kind of stranglehold on the holidays. It <laughs> came to them from somewhere else. Um, um, they also, this is a true story, I have been asked if there is Christmas there. And I just don't know how to respond to that without 
strangling someone. They have jack-o'-lanterns in Scotland. Good news, Paige. I'm shocked. <laughs> it was a tradition that came from there, so. I don't know if it's going to be unlimited candy, but. It seems like maybe not. <laughs> um, but they do dunk for apples. <laughs> And there's some roasting of nuts that you throw onto a flame. <laughs> so, seems like a good time. Um, anyway. Whatever. Um, for those so, of you who are confused, um, Christmas is a religious holiday, not a national holiday. So um, anywhere there are um, Christians, there is Christmas. So that's pretty much uh, the entire world. Most places, yeah. I would say. There's probably some like tribes in Brazil. <laughs> Oh, yeah, maybe that deep in the Amazon. They might not celebrate December 25th. They might not even have the same calendar that we do. So. They might not have calendars at all. I don't know. Please don't ask if people outside of America have Christmas. It's a dumb question. You sound like an idiot. There are dumb questions, and that was one of them. That's definitely one of them. <laughs> um, Alright. Well, we recommended something. Oh. Oh, yeah. So we mentioned that read the short story, but then if you want, like, a novel novel recommendation, um... We tried to find something that was, like, sort of, like, folklore-based and atmospheric and good for Halloween. Eh, but we, we failed. Exactly <laughs> find it. Um, so if you have a thought about it, you can tell us. But um, if you're looking for a scary book for Halloween, not just scary at all, um, probably still the scariest book I've ever read. Because it, there's not a lot of competition, but it also is really scary. Um, the Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. I did my American author's name, Shirley Jackson, my sophomore year of high school. Um... She's, like, a classic horror author. Um, we put it, should have put her on her scale. There's a scary picture of her on her Wikipedia page. Um, the Haunting of Hill House is a book I got at the library um, because my brother was following me around and he wouldn't leave me alone. So then I just started to decided to try and just, like, pick up the creepiest things I could find at the library to get him to go away because um, he wouldn't leave me alone. And it is actually, it's really, really good as a novel, but it is really scary, so I could only read it. I didn't even bring it into the house, because I didn't want it to get me. Um, so I left it in the car, and I only read it when, this is before I could drive, I only read it when my whole family was in the car driving. And it stayed in the car. <laughs> and I never took it inside the house, because again, I didn't want the book to get me. Um, so read that. It's really good, it's really creepy. Um, by the end of the book, you start thinking like the main character. That's, That's like the creepiest thing. part because I hate when that happens. You have to read the book to know what happens to her, but um, yellow wallpaper. <laughs> All right. Well, you can follow if you haven't had enough of us, which I'm sure you haven't. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and we're, on we're Instagram. We're gonna tweet out a picture of the Alexander McQueen Iris wedges. Yeah, we're gonna tweet out some of that. We tweet good stuff mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, or you can send us an email. That's an email at smartgirl4astacks at gmail.com. Yep. Tell us your favorite spooky thing to read. And if you're still bored and need something else to do, you can always rate us on iTunes. Oh, okay. I don't know what else they can do. All right. Give us a rating on iTunes. Alrighty. We will.